Welcome to On Healing. My name is Olivia Hunt and I could not be more excited to share this special open-hearted conversation with the wonderful Georgie Crawford. Georgie is such a beautiful, soulful person that is just full of love. She has helped millions of people across the globe through her podcast and business, The Good Globe. Georgie is a shining example of all the possibilities that exist if we create the time and space to listen to our intuition, our hearts and say yes to life. She has this amazing ability to talk about delicate topics we all navigate as part of the human experience. She is a true thought leader and her life-changing new book Glow is a number one bestseller in Ireland today. This conversation may just change the course of your life. We talk about following your dreams. We both share our why behind completing the New York Half Marathon. We talk about her new book, Glow, about embracing curiosity, the changing nature of friendships, love and much more. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to On Healing, Georgie. I am so excited about this podcast. I'm so excited that we get to sit down together and have some quality time. I know. I'm so delighted to have you here today. Um, I've been, say, watching just your journey over the last few weeks. I've been watching it for years, but it's been such a whirlwind. You launched your amazing new book, Glow. You're a best-selling author. Number one across all charts. What an exciting year. And you're expecting a baby this year as well. Yeah. And we keep saying, you know, a book and a baby. We can't believe it. Um, The last few weeks has been a dream come true in so many ways, Olivia. And I'm sure we'll get into it. But just to put something out into the world can be so scary or to follow your dreams like you with this podcast. You know, it's you feel so vulnerable taking the leap. But when you make the leap and when you just step into the unknown it brings so much to your life and of course all those scary emotions as well but you know I just would encourage anyone if they have a dream just to go for it. I love that so I set up on healing because say I have healed so much myself from hearing other people's stories and your story is one of them um Oh, my God, like I've been so inspired by you Um, and say on healing, I I was saying to you just before we started this, when I got back from maternity leave and I was just settling back into work, although I do a lot of say wellness related work um, with dibs and say in employee resource groups at my job currently, which I love, I was also feeling a very strong calling to just do something related to healing. And that's where on healing came from. And I was working with an executive coach when I got back and she was amazing. Big hello to Olga, because I know she'll be listening to this. But she really created that space for me to just really listen to myself and to what like I were what I, I think my intuition and soul were saying to me. So then, you know, I decided to go for it. I recorded the first episode in New York, which yes. we, we'll talk about soon. Yeah. But um. I did it and I couldn't believe it then because it went, say, like I got so many messages. I was getting screenshots of it in the charts. It went to number one one week. I couldn't believe it. And since then, it's just carried this momentum and I'm just following it and going with it. But, um, Georgie, I have to say, I first, the first time I heard you speak was at the O in Clontarf Castle. Oh, wow. I remember that day. Oh, my God. I will never forget hearing you speak that day. Um, You could hear a pin drop in the room because as you shared your story, just everybody was so engaged and I just don't think there was a dry eye in the place. Um, Afterwards, when I got home, I looked you up on Instagram and, oh my God, I followed your journey ever since and... I have just been, it's been amazing to watch you because at that time you were, I think you were going through treatment for Mm. cancer at that time. Yeah, because I think the reason why I connected with people was because everybody could see themselves in my story. 
So for young women, you know, who are out in the world trying to make it, burning the candle at both ends. The reason I wanted to share my story was just to for people to become aware of the signs of breast cancer, but also to be aware of how they're living in terms of am I too stressed? Wait a minute. Can I stop for a second? Is there too much going on? Am I putting too much pressure on myself? So I think that's why my story connected with so many people. Not a lot of people could relate to the cancer side of it, but they could relate to the madness of life that I had been experiencing before my diagnosis. Um, And I can't believe you were there that day. That's that's incredible. Yeah, there was a few of us there from work. And it was such a beautiful day, you know, everyone sharing their stories. But when I looked you up then and I was seeing you used to be recording, you know, your journey in the car. And I I, I was just like, oh, my God. And, you know, since then, I've say I have a baby, James, he's two now. But then, you know, I was thinking, oh, my God, because I didn't have a child at that time. And it just opened up my mind even more to what people go can be going through like your daughter Pia was so young it was it must have been such a difficult time for you yeah but I think having a child through that time really helped me because I had to get up and face each and every day and all mums I'm sure can relate to that that when our child wakes up in the morning we want them to see a happy, joyful mother looking back and smiling at them. So my decision really was, am I going to cry every day or am I going to put my best foot forward? And I really felt like I heard this amazing thing on a podcast the other day with Simon Sinek talking on Diary of a CEO. It's part two of that podcast. And he said, Stephen Bartlett was saying Some people, right, if you're trying to help them and they're unmotivated and, you know, you're trying to coach them, but they're not helping themselves. He was saying, like, after a while, like, do you just give up on people if they're not accepting your help? And Simon Sinek was thinking about it. And I really admire him for how long he took to answer the question because he was like, hang on, I really need to think about this. And then he said, not everybody needs your help. Some people actually need to be empowered to help others and that's how they lift themselves higher so I started to think about my journey and I was like straight away I wanted to educate women on becoming breast aware check their breasts you know set a monthly reminder and actually when I was in the deepest darkest depths of pain of my diagnosis the thing that helped me face each and every day was helping other people So although I accepted help and all my family and friends helped me every step of the way, actually for me to get through that time, I needed to be empowered to help others. And that's what helped me face each each sunrise. Wow. And then like all that has come since then, the Good Glow podcast, which I have to say, like it's helped me so much. Some of the conversations, I mean, you know, I've been brought to tears so many times listening to it. But it's also just at really difficult times in my own life. It's given me that kind of courage because I think that when you hear about people overcoming and becoming because of their say pain or suffering, it's really, really inspiring to listen to that. And yes, like I myself have I've done so many things over the years, you know, like therapy. I love Chinese medicine, all these types of things. But I think there is such power in hearing someone speak authentically about their journey. And I think you do that so well. And I think it takes courage as well to be so honest, like sharing a piece of your heart. You've been so open about everything. And I really appreciate that. Like it, 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 it's just helped me so much along the way. Oh, thank you, Olivia. And I think, you know, I, I podcasts weren't that um, big when I had Pia like seven years ago. But I wish that I could have had a podcast in my ears when I was going for a walk in Marley Park or wherever I was going. Now, I was always with my mum or my mother-in-law, and I speak about that in the book, kind of I kind of isolated myself a little bit. But 
I think it's so great now that women especially are having these really open, honest conversations. And if you don't feel like reaching out to a friend or maybe going for a coffee with someone is just a little bit too much of an effort, you can put two friends on in your ears and you don't even have to talk yeah. back. You can just listen and feel like you're a part of something. Yeah. So I think any woman out there in Ireland who has a podcast and a community is doing such an incredible service. Yeah. 100%. I remember I used to listen to Super Soul Sunday back in like 2011. I used to watch it all. And so it was my favorite thing to do. Like I love Oprah so much. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my friends <laughs> that I used to live with in Dublin got me an apron with I love Oprah on it. Oh my, I, I need to be friends with your friend. <laughs> I need Kira. That. <laughs> That's you I'm talking about. But um, I used to, it was so funny, but it's just, it was, I just loved, I got so much from it. And then say Super Soul Sunday, then it used to be on every three years. And then it kind of, it's, you know, Oprah does an episode now and again. But then as that was ending, I was introduced to the Good Glow. And I, I just thought the t- timing was great. And because it was in Ireland as well, you know, yeah. it was extra special too in that sense. So, um, yeah, I was delighted. Oh, my so. God. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's like the local stories actually yeah. kind of help you more because you can listen to Gwyneth Paltrow and Oprah and it's yes. so inspiring and you can get those big, huge aha moments. Yeah. But I think Irish women, when they tell their stories, yeah. you feel seen. Yeah. And do you know as well, like I just wanted to touch on so the power of say community I remember during the pandemic me and one of my friends say Adrienne joined this it's called the self-healer circle it was like a community in America by I don't know if you know the holistic psychologist mm-hmm. Nicole LaPera yes yeah so she has this amazing community um it's like $20 say a month but her con like her content alone on her Instagram page is phenomenal and she's just so giving she just wants to share I love I love it like but I am having moment after moment of mic drop moments when I read her stuff. It's brilliant. So that, say, was a community I was really enjoying. And then I know you love Jerry. We both do. <laughs> Jerry and Miriam set up the Soul Space community yeah. in July 2020. And I joined that and I've been a member ever since. So, like, I just think the power of community is so strong. Like, that sense of belonging, it opens this channel, you know, to welcome like new people into your life Mm. and lovely energy into your life as well it's great to be surrounded by that but um and then as well like which I'm getting on to the good glow community now you know is one of my kind of newest communities to be a member of and that's where me and you first met in person so yourself and Jamie and Becca took a huge group of people 130 to New York to do the half marathon can you tell me where this came from yes oh and I remember the first thing you said to me Olivia was I never thought I'd meet someone who loves Jerry more than me (laughs) (laughs) I was like okay we're soul sisters straight away um so basically in my recovery from cancer my oncologist was like you have to exercise just Georgie put your runners on and she's like and I'll never forget this and I tell people all the time and I'll say it here because it's such a good tip she said I don't want to walk around the block Georgie I want your heart beating in your chest exercise I've never forgotten that um so I jumped up on a treadmill one day because I was like something needs to work like I need to this needs to click for me and like a lot millions of people in the world I found a love of running in my recovery Of course, one side of myself was like, oh, my God, what am I running from here? Spoke to my therapist about it because I was I was afraid that I was like running away from my trauma. And she was like, you talked me through it. And um, we decided that, no, I just love I just loved the freedom. I love the headspace. So I started to do the park run and then I would do a 10K and the mini marathon and just loved the feeling of wow I told myself for 32 years that I hated running and here I am doing all these challenges so one of my big goals then when I found this love of running and just just for anyone listening I do not I'm not a runner as in I've never increased my speed I just run for the love of it and I run in slow motion sometimes um and I'm not the you know a natural runner but I go out and I give it a bash So one of my big dreams then was to do the New York half marathon. 
So uh, we were starting a surrogacy journey and I was like, wouldn't this be the greatest way to keep myself busy? If our surrogate mother is pregnant, I'd have something to focus on. So I enrolled in the New York half um, and then unfortunately everything in our surrogacy journey fell apart because we were due to do an embryo transfer the the week um, that the war broke out in Ukraine and everything was cancelled and the half marathon was in March. So I remember just feeling so devastated and being like really determined to wear Ukraine colours in the half and I was just in a really bad space headspace and felt really sad every day but I was like I'm still going to do the half and myself and Jamie went over and we did it and I remember running through New York and there were so many Ukraine flags and it felt like we had this collective purpose to get to the finish line almost um and when I was in JFK on the way home this was March 2022 I said to Jamie, there was something missing from this entire experience for me. It was community because like we got to the finish line and then Jamie was like, so like, where are we going for lunch? And I was like, but Jamie, we just did a half marathon and he's so used to it. I was like, couldn't believe that I'd done something like this. So then it felt really weird to just be sitting in a restaurant, like eating a pizza by ourselves. So... I said, Jamie, we have to bring people next year. And he said, wouldn't it be amazing if we could bring 20 people? What if we could get 20 people to come with us next year? So one night I put it out on my Instagram. Hey, send me your email if you'd like to be involved next year. Stupidly uh, didn't create one of those little boxes on Instagram. Like just said, send me your email. There were 1,600 email addresses that we had to manually put into a spreadsheet. It took us like six days. (laughs) So I was like calling out people's email addresses like John Duggan 17543 at Hotmail. Oh my God, we were demented. But it's a memory of the good glow. It's such like startup business vibes. Um, And, you know, a a day, you know, something that you'd call the good old days in 20 years. So we anyway, we we set it up and eventually we got our hands on 90 something race passes because they're really hard to get. And uh, we brought 130 people with us and it was incredible. And it was everything I imagined it to be. But something so exciting that we're excited to um, build on every year. Just when you were saying that, like at the finish line, you were saying, oh, you know, it would be great to bring like, and now I am one of them people say that went and I'm just thinking of the party the night we finished and just the whole experience. It was amazing. And I wanted to say as well, you know, a huge thank you to you, Jamie and Becca, for creating this trip for people. It really was like a trip of a lifetime. It was absolutely brilliant. And the journey, I think, began once he signed up. Like, so Mm. I signed up in last October and then there was a lovely uh, WhatsApp group and it had a really nice momentum of the right amounts of like encouragement, motivation and support. You'd your content hub with training schedules, which I used to go in and out of, warm up and warm down exercises. You'd your playlists, like direct access to Scott. Scott shrubs <laughs> and rubs are my fi- a hunky physio. <laughs> and I laughed. I actually had to contact him um, for my knee. He was such a great help. You know, at one point I had a knee injury and I, I didn't know. I remember being at my f- uh, physical therapist and he was saying if, you know, it could be a stress fracture and if it is like there's no way you can do it. And I remember feeling really upset, but I went home, say to Eugene, my husband, and I was like, you know even if I can't go I feel I have got so much from this trip already Mm. just from so for me I was not long back from maternity leave and I was trying to just do I've done it for lots of different reasons but one of them was getting my fitness back and just getting out and oh my god like each I started at like I ran for a kilometre other days it would be two it was a real kind Mm. of slow start but next thing you know I was doing like 12 kilometres and I was like who am I who is this person because it had been years since I had done you know a run like that so or um trained for say I'd never done a half marathon 
So I just think from the outset and you had done like park runs as well around Ireland. Like it was just a, a lovely experience. I remember the Zoom call as well that we had before yeah. the trip and you made everybody feel so at ease. You know, you're so kind, like you're you said and I, I knew you meant it. Like you're like you really that the both of you really care about everyone on this trip. And you did like I remember one poor girl got sick, you mm. know, and couldn't do it. And you were so supportive to her. Um, so yeah it was just amazing I think I think for me I got so much out of it like in in terms of friendship yeah. and I remember on the Saturday in New York Ireland were playing England it was the day after Paddy's Day and we all we found this bar in Midtown and it was like a square bar so the, the like the the um the bar was in the middle of the building and then there was just seats all around the edge um against the walls and i walked in and there was about i'd say like 50 people from the trip all sitting like shoulder to shoulder around yeah. the perimeter of the bar i remember looking around at one stage and i could see all the girls that came on their own together just sitting together yeah. and actually nobody was talking to each other because we we're all watching the match but there was this incredible sense of togetherness and belonging. And for me, I'm not, I'm my, I remember my uncle saying once, like, you never talk for the sake of it. And I always thought, like, I don't just sit down and just start talking. Like, I like to just be sometimes. Mm. And even when I meet up with my soul sister, Claire Solon, sometimes, like, we don't talk. We just hang out in yeah. silence. And I remember that day just going, this is everything I imagined it to be, just together. Um, and I think we were apart for so many years, right, during COVID, and it felt like life was on pause. So that was a real five-star moment for me on the trip. But for you, Olivia, like, what was the standout moment for you? Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> there, is, there is so many. The trip was very, say, special for lots of different reasons. Like, I say went over initially I was say doing I I did the New York half marathon in memory of my two first cousins mm. that had um say died very young so Eugene Tahini died at he was just 29 suddenly and my other cousin Desmond died in September 11th he was working in the Twin Towers and he was just 33 so we had a very strong uh, connection to New York all along because my two aunts emigrated there when they were really, really young. So um, the last time I've seen the both of them was at my own, say, brother's funeral when he was just, he was 16 when he died. He had died by suicide. So it was a really difficult time because he, him, Derek, say, Eugene and Desmond died within just over a year and a half of each other. Oh and I God. was in my teens at the time and just I, I'd say it was my 20s before I had fully acknowledged the trauma of it and I spent a lot of my teens being distract like distracting myself you mm. know but then I started healing myself in my and it's been a long you know journey but when I think about highlights I was even on the way over I was like isn't it great to be able to do this like yeah. I'm doing it because I can. I remember, I, like, I feel so lucky to be alive and to be healthy. And it's such a privilege to be, like, able to do this, knowing that, like, I, I remember, you know, running across Manhattan Bridge and I was thinking about Desmond. I was just remembering the Twin Towers and I was like, oh, my God. You know, sometimes I still can't believe it happened. And I was like, I, I wish they were still with us you know yeah but it was so special because at the end of um the trip my aunt and uncle who were in their 80s were waiting for me and my brother had flown in as well so it was so special it was like it was so special going with the good glow and then I had like say my family there as well and I recorded my first episode of the good glow podcast in New York with say Desmond's mm -hmm. parents mm -hmm. just you know because I wanted to hear I wanted them to share their healing journey because I had learned so much from them but another say highlight for me was at the start line so I was with the other Georgie yeah and Angela <laughs> and they're hello we we have this whatsapp group set up since called the F flamingos and oh it's like voice God. no central yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, and the reason it's called that. So we were um, as we were waiting like for the start, we you know, because there's a lot of time to spare. We were sitting down and I remember the sun was shining like glaring on her face and we were trying to stay in it because it was quite cold mm-hmm. <laughs> to warm up quite <laughs> yes <laughs> minus one or something but um so we all kind of it, it just happened all of a sudden we started sharing like lots of personal stories with each other and um I had just uh, just out of nowhere like my son James came into my heart and I was like, oh, my God. And I just say we had had a, quite a difficult start at the start of Jane's life, quite a difficult time. And I just shared some of that journey with Angela and Georgie. And I had said, it, you know, it, just to do this trip again, to be able to be healthy, to be able to leave Ireland and go was just so special for me. And I didn't take a second of it for granted. But say Georgie had said to me, um, so she told a story about the pink flamenco flamingo and she said when say a pink flamingo has children she the parents like start to lose their pink because they're giving all of their energy to their children and to their family and particularly if there are any health issues or something it's like you know it can be just such a difficult time and it certainly was for me and I feel that the journey to preparing for that when I like started doing it, Georgie said to me, oh, my God, Olivia, you're getting your pink back. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been getting my pink back for months in the preparation for it. And then it was like I burst out crying when she said that. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting my pink back. And uh, Angela and Georgie, we were all crying. And it was just like this moment of realising how far that I had even come mm. in the journey because it was hard and thank God like James is happy and healthy now but um, I'll just never forget that time and another moment was when we were walking from the hotel to say Central Park Enda is it Enda from Sports International mm. the guy that uh, was there yeah I, I think, think that's Enda. his name he's a lovely guy Um, he was walking ahead of me and I just like it was lovely and silent. I love like the silence to you. And I was walking just alone with my thoughts and I was thinking of everybody. And I just looked up and he had a bib on and it said Crumlin. And I just went back, you know, I was like, oh, my God, because we had a very short, say, stay in Crumlin. And they're like, <laughs> I'm so conscious that there are people in so much worse situations than we were. Mm. Um, it doesn't take away that it was very difficult either for myself and my husband. We were yeah. really, say, traumatised after, say, sh- the stay there. But I seen that and I went back in time because I was thinking, like, even for me to be able to leave Ireland and go, a lot of parents can't. Mm. And a lot of people can't bring their kids on holidays and stuff. And I was just very grateful. And I went right back. And would you believe... And I just realised this um, on the way up here. It was this day, two years ago, that me and Eugene brought our baby out of Crumlin. Oh, my God. Yeah. He, he had only been in now for, say, a very, like, it was a week. But in that week, our worlds, like, were Ch- Change forever. We were, we left, we left Crumlin different people. And the day we left, we were in the Heart Centre ward in Crumlin. Um this is something I will never forget either. So even to be told that like we can go, we just couldn't believe it because say we thought we were being prepared there for a long stay. Mm. And thank God, you know, I sometimes believe a miracle happened. I was praying so much to my brother that my son would be okay, but we were able to go. But on the way out, we were walking out and I didn't even know what this was you know, before a cardiac arrest alarm went off on the ward. So it's this like massive siren. Yeah. And nurses and doctors started running from every corridor in there towards a little boy in a room. So as we were leaving, there was a little boy fighting for his life. 
And I remember Eugene just put down the car seat and he was shaking, like we were both really shook up and he had to sit down. And it was just like the whole experience was just life changing. But we got to leave that day. And I, fer- I remember we met a lady in the lift and she said to me, you are so lucky to be leaving. And I just held her hand and I was like, I know, I just couldn't. Neither of us could believe it that we were able to go home, you know. And um, so there were so many special moments, like seeing that. And he had fundraised for Crumlin before the trip. He'd raised loads of money for them. And everyone has their own story. So he was walking beside me and I started telling him a bit about, say, my journey there. And um, but I think it's an experience that will never leave you and it does change you. Mm. So that trip, the whole from the very start, it just helped me get part of myself back. And like I'm I'll always be really thankful for that. Oh, I'm so emotional listening to that story. And. Yeah, it's just I think so many people on the trip had that other layer of why they were there like their why and you know on the night we arrived when I said to people like connect with your why and there was so many people who said oh I don't think I have a why and then on the Sunday you know three days later they were like I know what my why is now because um we all have a why you know and thank you so much for sharing that. Like you went on such a journey over those three days. It's just absolutely incredible. And isn't it amazing to have women just to share with? Yes. I Like me and Georgie and Angela, I have been in contact since. But um, just the beautiful friendships that you make. But it was just such a lovely realisation like in that moment. And as I ran across Manhattan Bridge, I ran Eugene and James. And I was so emotional. And he, or James was trying to hand me one of his books <laughs> to Aww. read him. He's only two now. <laughs> but I was looking at him and I felt so full of love. Like, I mean, when I got off the phone to them, I started recording videos for like friends and my nephews. And just, I just had this feeling of like such gratitude to be alive and to be running and yes. to be having like the time of my life. Mm. I loved it. Um, so, oh my God. And come here, the good thing is that you will be doing this again next year. Yes. And I'm bringing Eugene this time. (laughs) Oh my God. When I saw that you'd signed up again, well, Jamie told me, he's like, guess what? Olivia's coming. And there's so many people from the trip last year coming again. And, you know, I'm just so glad because like I talk about, you know, OGs and things and we'll always have the, the first time. You know, we'll always have that togetherness and we're excited to bring, you know, the next generation in and we'll, you know, our our gang will get bigger. But we shared something special, very special this year. And I think as well, if anyone's listening, I really would like to do something for themselves and that they can do it. Like I'd encourage people to sign up and come on your own. It doesn't matter. It's like I went, say I traveled on my own. I knew I was, say, meeting my brother Paul was going to be there and I have relations there. But I, I've traveled, I've done yoga retreats on my own. I love, like, it's an amazing trip and you're going to meet incredible people. Yeah. So just do it. Sign do it. up Find if you your can. tribe. Yes. Like, yeah. And that's the thing I that I'd said to everyone, like, even though you're coming by yourself, you won't feel alone, you know? Yeah. And that's, that, that was the aim. Yeah. So, Georgie, I'd love to talk about your book, Glow. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny. I keep doing interviews and people are like, so what's your book about? And I'm like, um, so I wrote it for eight months and it's really, really hard to summarize. <laughs> um, I, I have really enjoyed reading it. It's like what, you know, Oprah always says, like that there's these books that everyone should have mm. beside them on their bedside table. Oh, I think it's totally you. one of them books. That I, it's, it's, there's so much in it and I want to share some quotes from it that um, I really connected with. Okay. So it says, so glow five steps to create the life you dream about. So um, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the step two, connect Mm. with yourself. Mm -hmm. So when I was reading this, I got goosebumps. So you were saying that you had watched the Tony Robbins documentary, I'm Not Your Guru. And you said, 
after watching that, I had never considered that something bad happening could turn out to be such a gift. That night was the first time I acknowledged the voice in my head and all it had been trying to tell me for so many years. I finally let it in. I could finally hear and the message was so loud. I am surrounded by love. I am enough exactly how I am. I have so much love to give. I have so much life to live. Wow, I just, can you tell us about that moment? Yeah, and actually I went back and added that in because I was going, I wrote the book like 10 times, do you know, and I kept going back and going, maybe I need to expand. So I actually remember writing that bit exactly because I added it in right at the end. So I suppose for so many years, I was just caught in the cycle of busyness and madness in my life. You know, there was always a voice in my head kind of trying to get through to me, but I was so detached from myself. I just lived my life for other people so much that like I was so distant from who I was. Actually, what am I trying to achieve? It it was just all a big mess. So that night was the night that I found out my cancer hadn't spread. So it felt like such a lifeline. I'd had the worst two weeks ever, you know, being diagnosed with cancer. I My baby was seven months old. It just felt like my life was over. So on that day when I found out that my cancer hadn't spread, I started to think about the last two weeks. And when I found my lump, I knew that second it was cancer. Then I went and it was confirmed and Professor Hill said, you know, we need to go and find out if the cancer had spread. But something, I suppose, as the days went on in the back of my mind was saying, your cancer hasn't spread, Georgie. It's just in your breast. And then that was confirmed. So I was like, these two things that I was telling myself were true. And hello, like, why have I been ignoring this voice for so many years? It knows what it's talking about. So then that night when I sat down, I said to Jamie, I'm so tired from crying and worrying. And now I know my cancer hasn't spread. Professor Hill has taken it out on Thursday. I need an hour off from the madness. So I was flicking through Netflix and I came across this Tony Robbins documentary, Not Your Guru. And I'd never even heard of Tony Robbins before, like self-help and wellness was not on my radar. But something said, watch the documentary. Now, before... I would have just ignored that voice and said, I won't like that or that's not the type of thing I watch. So I would have went and put on like reality TV or something like that. But I was had I was getting used to trusting myself now. So I was like, "Okay, stop for a minute, listen to this voice and actually press play. So I press play and the documentary changed my life. It was a before and after moment. I suppose you could look and say, well, was finding your lump a before and after moment? No, actually hearing the words when Tony Robbins say your biggest problem is you think you shouldn't have them. And then he said, problems make us grow. Problems are what make us. Life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. And it was like I had the whole world had stopped spinning in that moment because then I could see, wait a minute, For 32 years, I ran away from problems because I didn't want to ever upset anyone. I was a people pleaser. I just wanted everyone to be happy with me. And 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 so through that, I completely abandoned. Actually, what do I want? What makes me happy? So in that moment, I was like, God, maybe this cancer diagnosis is happening for me. And it was such a weird thing to think about, Olivia, because Cancer is such a horrible disease that takes people from their loved ones and changes your life forever. But I suppose the only way I could face the day was maybe just hanging on to that and thinking, okay, I can't see it now. Right now my heart is broken, but maybe, maybe someday this will all make sense. So I clung to that. Oh my God. Why do you think we ignore that voice? I think we're just so afraid of what it's going to bring up. And I think for so many years, I push things down like within my body Mm. without even maybe realizing I just had the disease to please just numbing myself from myself, my thoughts, my 
I was just so afraid to stop because yeah. I was terrified that I'd have to do something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so when you hear that or when you listen to it, I love th- I think step three is the perfect chapter for when people have start getting an awareness of that voice whether it's your intuition or your soul. So step three is around embracing curiosity. I love, this is my favourite step. Was it? Yeah. So you, um, met, I'll just read out a few quotes mm. of it, mm-hmm. uh, from it. I realised that just like every person I have ever looked up to and admired, I was capable of the same things and worthy of my own dreams. You talk about um, preserving your curiosity and investing your curiosity in yourself. I absolutely love the way you phrase that, like preserve it because it's sacred, Mm. isn't it? Yeah. So in the book, I just spoke about for so many years, like I was so curious about the wrong things. Yeah. So like, you know, scrolling on Instagram or like other people's business and actually get out of other people's business and get into your own and grow your world. Yes. Uh, you wrote, I, uh, this was another moment for me when I was like, oh my God, again. So, and now I believe I am capable of anything. There's a whole world of possibility out there waiting for you to explore. How can people welcome more curiosity into their life? Mm, that's a great question. I think for so many years, I felt like I knew it all. So I worked in radio I could do my job with my eyes closed. You know, I studied journalism. I did really well in my course in college. So I kind of had the whole thing sussed out, I thought. So if I went into a, like, I I just had my mind made up about who I was. So I put myself into this box. And I remember sitting beside this guy called Riyadh. He's one of my great friends. And he kept speaking about Oprah all the time. He had like a a framed picture of Oprah in his living room. Oprah was his queen. Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. And I sat beside him for so many years and it never occurred to me to ask him why. I was just like, oh, Riyadh loves Oprah. Like the end, I don't love Oprah. So it was, I was just never curious. I never, my mom gave me so many self-help books like Louise Hay, um, all of these amazing people. I never opened them because I told myself that I didn't like reading books like that, that I just like, you know, the trashy novels or whatever it is, the escapism. And that's great to have that. But also just open your mind. And, you know, what if for five minutes a day I had of embrace curiosity because you don't have to go on you know, uh, a year, uh, take a year off work and go explore the world. But you can be curious from your own home. Just do something different yes. and see where it takes you. Oh, I love this. Um, then say step four, create the change. Um, I love this. When we change on the inside, our world on the outside change changes. You talk about how, say, your role in 98FM, how it was stopping you from becoming who you knew you had the power to be. You say, my energy, my gifts were taking me in a new direction. And you ask, say, the reader, are you wasting your talents? And you speak about how you were no longer sleepwalking now. You were wide awake. How can we honour our, say, the gifts and talents that we've been blessed with more? Mm-hmm. I think, oh God, that's a wonderful question. I think um, you need to connect with yourself because I had so many talents that I wasn't aware of. So, you know, I've discovered over the last five years that I really like to listen and connect with people. But I suppose I told myself I was the type of person that like, I have enough friends. You know, I like my life. It's grand. So I think if you can stop and get to know who you really are, and that can be so scary because I ask my community all the time, like, who are you? Who are you without your family, without your husband, without your partner, without your kids, without your job, without your stuff? I get the scariest responses from people because they're like, Georgie, I'm crying. I don't have a clue who I am. And I say, that's okay. You know, I didn't have a clue who I was when I was 32. If you had have asked me, who am I without Jamie and without my job in radio? I'd say, 
like I even when I look at my wedding video, I, I don't recognize that person anymore because I was so quiet mm. um, and I just kept myself in, in a box. So I think the first thing you can do is spend some time with yourself. Actually, who am I today? Because I don't have to be the person that I've been for so many years. And maybe I do like to get into the sea. Maybe I do like to meditate. Don't count yourself out of knowing more, exploring more about yourself, becoming a new version of yourself. Because I think we're so sometimes scared of change because people are used to us being a certain way. And our their role in our life is 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 set in stone and they know how to support us and we know how to support them so sometimes when you just do something different it's like the crabs in a bucket story in the book where yeah. you know when a crab is if you've, you've got a bucket of crabs and one crab is trying to get out the side of the bucket all the other crabs will try pull them down yeah and um it can be so hard to want to escape the bucket and want to do something new but if you have the calling yeah. You know, you have to honor yourself because I think we're made to change and evolve. And that is so scary sometimes. But go on the journey, even if it's one tiny thing you do a day. Yeah, oh my God, I love that. Um, I think it leads nicely into step five, staying open. So you say in this chapter, some of us stay in relationships, friendships and jobs that are not making us happy deep down. We are willing to sacrifice our own growth, our own journeys, just because it's easier to stay the same. You say, I did lose some friends in my wider circle during my transition. And I have to say, I love how I like I love Soul Sisters. I love the podcast you and Claire do. And I want to acknowledge like how helpful your say talks around the changing nature of friendship has Mm. been for me and so many like you get so many questions in from people um i wanted to ask you what advice would you give to people that are experiencing changes in their friendships because we all experience this we just don't talk about it and i know say nicole lapera the holistic psychologist had a post up recently and she said the say friendship breakups are just as painful it can be just as painful as romantic mm. breakups we just don't talk about it so yeah I, I just wanted to ask is there anything you'd share from say your own experience from talking to people if people are going through yeah, yeah challenges so I have spoken before about I suppose when you go on any sort of journey or you are changing it's only natural right to maybe not have the same friends that you used to have and for me, I think I stopped myself for so many years in t- into changing or even thinking about changing because people expected me to show up a certain way. And because I lived so much of my external world, like my, you know, aim was to make everyone else happy and feel comfortable and be happy with who I was. Um, and when I started to go on the journey one thing that I didn't expect was to lose friends. But then also at the same time, I didn't realize how many friends there were to be made, how many friendships that I hadn't explored. And one of the greatest things that the good glow has brought me is friendship. So I think when you go out and it can be scary, oh my God, none of my friends like sea swimming, but like I have the ache in my soul to go down and, and find a, tr- a swimming tribe and sit on the beach in the morning and and drink you know tea with a group of strangers go for it join a running club join a book club go find your tribe it doesn't mean that you can't still have friendships you know one of the one of the biggest things that in my life that set me free was something I only heard recently is Mel Robbins she said you have friends for a reason friends for a season and friends for a lifetime And when she said that, I started to think about the friendships that I've lost along the way. And by her saying, you know, you're friends for a reason. Maybe it's the mums in the school and the reason you're friends is because you've got like the children in common or friends for a season. Maybe there was something going on in your life at the time that just 
made you closer to this certain group of people. And then it also made me really value more my friends for a lifetime who after all these years are still there. Um, who maybe you forget about sometimes or you don't ring as much as you should. But then when the shit hits the fan, they're still there for you. So when Mel said that, it actually set me free. It set me free because it made me see that there's nothing wrong with me that I'm not friends with this person anymore. It's sh- yeah, shame. Mm. Because, you know, shame is all about believing we are flawed in some way. And isn't that an awful burden to put on ourselves? Yeah. When in reality, like it's just the change in nature. Like she said, and one of my friends for a lifetime, Elaine, has always said that to me, like for a reason, a season and a lifetime. And then I remember hearing Mel say that on the yeah. podcast and I was like, oh, yeah, she powerful. set me free when she said that because it made me see actually they were a friend for a reason or yes. a friend for a season. And it's not my fault that we're not friends anymore. Yes. I didn't actually do anything. Life yes. just moved on. And like letting go and releasing when you feel that, you know, it's like, you know, when something has come to an end. Mm. And if you don't do that, then you're cre- co-creating pain, mm. aren't you? Absolutely. In your own life. And that's really bad for your mind body and soul so Mm. thank you so much for sharing that was like really really powerful Georgie yeah well at the end of the book when I write the little short story be unapologetically you and I've spoken about it on we do online courses sometimes on the September reset the biggest response to anything I've ever said was my story about friendships because people are suffering in silence they feel you know even with their family they're saying You know, I want to meditate, but they all think I've lost my mind. Yeah. And it's like you have to be true to yourself, you know, because it's going to take you on an incredible journey. Yeah. And I think when I read this, I think for people to listen and just realize how special it is. I'll just read this. Mm -hmm. It'll speak for itself from your book. When I was told I was sick, I wasn't thinking about my job title, how much money was in my bank account or what bag I carried on my arm. I wasn't thinking about what other people thought of me or who they wanted me to be. I thought about the people I love. Nothing mattered more than the moments I had lived with them and the moments I had yet to live. Can you trust your life enough to step forward? Trust your life will show you just how beautiful it can be. I think that's such a lovely piece of writing, Georgia. Oh, thank you. You know, like some of the best moments of our life are ahead of us. Isn't mm. that a lovely thought to even think about? Um, so I know that you love, say, Oprah's book, What I Know For Sure. I wanted to ask you, what do you know for sure after this journey? Oh, my God. Like my journey through cancer and everything I I've been through. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good question. What do I know for sure? It's almost like, what do I know for sure is that I don't know everything for sure. (laughs) Because (laughs) I think there's so many journeys we go on, right? And you think you're going to feel a certain way. And then you go on the journey and it brings so much more to your life. So for, for example, for our surrogacy journey, We started in 2020. I thought I'd have a baby in my arms within a year, naively. But that was great that I thought that at the time because that helped me function. Um, And it took us three years. But when I thought about the day that I find out my surrogate mother is pregnant and she's in a different country and I'm across the world from my baby and I, I used to say to myself... I'll lie in bed every night and think about our baby and I'll feel so distant from the baby. And how am I going to sleep? How am I going to get through the days? And then the the day came when I found out that my surrogate mother is pregnant. And I have never in my life trusted a woman more than her. And I've never even met her. So actually, the... The way that I thought about the journey is the complete opposite to what I had been fearing for three years. And I lie in bed every night and I know that our surrogate mother is doing the best she can and is 
growing our baby and loving our baby and we I am feel so lucky that I get to have this experience with another woman so what I know for sure is actually that I probably don't know much at all (laughs) (laughs) but to be open to the journey and be open to what an experience is here to teach you because I thought when I heard those words Georgie you have cancer that's it my life is over I'll never forget where I was standing in my living room when I said to Jamie I'll never laugh the same way again I'll never feel happy again this is going to take my sense of fun. Actually, it gave me more. It gave me a million times more than I'd ever had because the experience taught me just how precious life is. So when you're thinking about a, a, a journey and it may look like the hardest mountain you ever have to climb, don't forget that it's probably going to bring a lot more to your life than you ever could have imagined. After after I say all of this, what do you believe like the purpose of life is? The purpose of life is to love people. It's love. And I was speaking to Wim Hof a couple of weeks ago and I asked him something similar. And he said the whole point of everything is love. And we know Jerry's going to say that. We know Miriam's going to say yeah. it. We know all the gurus are going to yeah. say it. So almost when I say it, I feel like, oh, do I sound like silly saying that? But it's actually, true. like what you read there about sitting in that room when Professor Hill told me I had cancer, mm. nothing mattered. Nothing yeah. actually mattered apart from the people who I love and the people that love me. And when mm. it comes down to it, like it, it really is. It makes the world go round. I said this at my book launch. All of these amazing people from my industry showed up for me. And did I stand in the hotel that morning and wonder if anyone was going to show up? Absolutely. I said, it's going to be so embarrassing if no one comes to this. And these are people who I've interviewed over the years, people who've helped me grow the good glow. They didn't owe me anything on that morning to show up for my book launch. And one by one, they started walking through the door. And I stood up that day and I said, if life is like a mirror, well, then I'm doing pretty well. Because I really believe if you put love out into the world, you get it back. So everywhere you go, like I remember driving in here this morning and this man, (laughs) I was like over kind of on his side of the road a little bit. And he started screaming at me in his car. And in that moment, I was like, Jesus Christ, like, you know, you get kind of like relaxed, dude. But actually, what is that man going through? He's in pain, you know, and just send love. So Mm. so I just moved over and gave him a smile. Yeah. You know, I didn't react. Yeah. And I think when you when you send love out into the world, you're going to get it back. It just keeps coming. And that's what I've experienced over the last five years is just put good out. Like, you know, going to New York and having that experience, like the friendships have carried on. The love is coming back to me. All of the amazing people that came to New York supporting me now with my book. Yeah. You know, what goes around comes around. I really believe it. I do too. And Jerry, that's, you know, one of my, the key teachings <laughs> from Jerry for me is that question he asks, what would love do? Mm. What would love do? And sometimes dropping from your head to your heart. I remember it, uh, they were all down, Jerry, Miriam and the Soul's community, Soul Space community were down in Dunmore East where I'm from last March. They're coming down again in a few weeks for a retreat. But I asked him a question about something I was, say, just struggling with at the time. And he said, and I was causing myself a lot of pain with the question. It was to do with say, the loss of my brother. But he, the reason it was coming up so strong is because I was very vulnerable at the time. I was mm. just after having a baby. I was just after moving house. And I was really struggling with this particular thing. And he said this to me, and I'm not joking. I, it never has bothered me since. He said, can you drop from your head to your heart and ask your brother, you know, this question? Whoa. Yeah. And um, I did that. And I have had a peaceful feeling about it since. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's very, very special. So I think just coming from that place of love, even if if it's with people no longer here, you know, if you've lost someone close, that can be a really powerful practice to do. Mm. So, um, Georgie, there is a quote I read and it really reminds me of you. 
Okay. But I just wanted to share it with you, okay? Yeah. Um, so Elizabeth Gilbert has a book, Big Magic. It's all about creativity and curiosity. Mm. I love it. I read it years ago, but there's a quote in it. The universe buries jewels deep within us all and then stands back to see if we can find them. I feel like it's just been so lovely to watch you find yours after your journey. And I think that you're lighting up a really bright path for us all and leading the way, showing us all the possibilities out there when we start to follow our dreams. Thank you so much, Georgie, for sharing your journey with us. Oh, my God. Thank you. You're such a special person. And what you're doing with this podcast is incredible. And you glow, Olivia, you know, and it comes out of you. You've such an amazing voice and you need to use it. And I've learned so much from you over the past few months. So thank you so much for being my friend. Thank you so much to Georgie for joining me on the podcast and for inspiring me so much on my own journey. There were so many moments of clarity for me during this conversation. I just love how open, honest and authentic Georgie is. Above all else, I hope that if you have a dream in your heart that you decide to go for it. We are here for such a short time and why not just take a chance? All you need to do is take the first step and you just watch all the opportunities that will open up for you. Thank you so much for listening.